Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. I just like I like my bit and I like my concept and I'm full of myself. Well, and I think PNW helps encapsulate what you wanted to talk about in the sense that it is about being from the Pacific Northwest, but also growing up on like the low end of middle class or in yeah, actual yeah. poverty. No, it's, that, yeah, no, I'm definitely impoverished. Or like working, yeah. And it's very. You're weird. definitely impoverished. I grew yeah. up lower middle class. Well, it's also that's. Um. I mean, we're recording now, oh. so we can start. No, I just figured we could... <laughs> I knew I knew that would end up happening. That was great. I've been calling it Recyclables, an unschooled educational resource, because I know I don't know a lot, but I know I know different stuff, and I know other people know way more than me about other stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And the only way information really... Information is like one of the few things you can exchange fairly and freely in a way that's like outside of money. And and it's one of the few things you can't. I can just give you information anytime I want, right? And that's right. so that's the goal of this. And then, but to acknowledge that you don't need to have special schooling. No, right? like I don't think in anyone we know knows more about Roman history than me in our immediate peer group. But I haven't gone to school for it. I mm-hmm. just was like. They did what? They had five different versions of themselves? Listen, (laughs) some people are into trains, some people are into Rome, and some people are into uh, useless YouTube drama and spend a lot of time learning about that. So we all have different skill sets with varying levels of usefulness. But um, today we wanted to talk about the gig economy and specifically through the lens of the concept of neoliberalism. And this is the part where we're going to use some big words but try to explain them in a way and i just want to talk about like what neoliberalism means uh neoliberalism is the idea that if it makes money it's good and that we should create a lot of our domestic and foreign policy to to make money and that once money is made there's nothing bad about that um, and there's three different uh, concepts uh, connected to neoliberalism that we wanted to talk about. One is privatization, um, which is commodifying, just providing services. Uh, or like, how do I put this better? It's about centering profit over the um, needs of the consumer as well as the needs of the laborer that's creating the product or the service. It's it's the idea that as long... It, 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 it needs that, to make money. It should always be profitable. The, the importance is the bottom line. It's not the service. It's not the person who's... Or, uh, product, and it's not the person who's making it. It's about the money and making the money and continuing to make the money and growing the money. Um, and then deregulation is the idea of removing any barriers to making money specifically in regards of protecting the consumer or the laborer creating the product or service or providing the service. And then austerity is the idea that you don't get to get fucking bailed out as an individual uh, because that costs too much money. And we can put that money... There's also a thing I just realized, and there's there's the idea that we can put that money elsewhere, but yeah. then we never... I mean, we'll get into that in a second, but like that we never talk about where that elsewhere is. Yeah, and I mean... I think the reason we thought of the phrase neoliberalism in regards to the gig economy is that 
a lot of how the gig economy has been shaped and is being seen in the modern lens feeds into a lot of the critiques we have about neoliberalism, that this deregulation hurts the worker and the consumer, this privatization um, keeps the industries from actually providing the services required and protecting their employees the way that they need to. And this push for austerity means that there are not resources for folks when shit doesn't go well. Because let's face it, all of us are one paycheck away, one medical disaster away, one disabling event away from not being able to pay our rent, make our back loan payments, any of those types of things. But they'll frame it as, we're not going to give you handouts, you can't be lazy, you need to work and earn your existence. And so, so all of that. We'll we'll talk about as we go along. I didn't but, mean the no, monologue. No, 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 no. I wanted you. <laughs> I wanted you to because you you had it prepared way better than I would have. I would have been like, it's up. But it, I sound like Rick. I'm realizing. Yeah, but like specifically in the gig economy, <clears throat> you see this austerity attitude because you're a private contractor in almost any situation. And we we broke up gig into like spe- like it's not your job and it's not your career, but it's what you do to yeah. make ends meet outside of other things. And one other facet of the gig economy is it being under the table. This show is to educate people, right? And so what I want people to think about in relation to gig economy and neoliberalism liberalism and under the table work is the idea that there's holes in the system and we all admit it. And my big problem with neoliberal, my personal big problem with neoliberalism in particular is the fact that it's it, it will perpetuate essentially lies that tell you everything's fine uh, as it doesn't solve the problem. And I know that's yeah. like some weird language around it. But for example, in the terms of privatization, like neoliberalism tells this lie that as long as it's making money, it's doing fine yep. without actually paying attention to the consequences. It's like, it's an extension of the rising tides raise all ship as in, rising tides make everything better and that the goal is to continually rise the tide it's weird when you think about climate change um (laughs) but like specifically it's this idea that if something is an economic boon or good for the economy it's going to be good for everything altogether and if an action doesn't grow the economy and doesn't have a monetary benefit it is not valuable and so what what set us off, what set me off on this conversation on this on this kind of on this journey was uh, I I pet sit right for as I'm disabled and one of the ways I make money is to pet sit it's an under the table job and that's for people who have maybe never heard that term for whatever reason life is going really well and you wanted to listen to a show called Recyclables for some reason uh, that's just any job you do that's not above board so anytime somebody just gives you money for doing a thing and you're not taxed for it. Because in theory, you're supposed to be taxed uh, anytime money is transaction, so the government can get a taste, right? Uh, and so uh, one of my friends, I, I because of the way things have gone recently, I've had like three people have to cancel permanent pet sitting gigs. Like they've lost their jobs or they couldn't go to the places they were going. And a friend of mine was like, oh, you should just get into gig, like get into this app that's for pet sitting. And I was looking through it, and I was like, it's the same thing, just with more steps. And they're both... And all... skimming off the top. Yeah, and they're both... But it's weird, because the, the weird part to me is, now there's two people skimming off the top, right? Like, 
under the table. Nobody's skimming off the top. It's just my friend giving me mm-hmm. whatever amount of money they're supposed to give me. But in a gig, in an app that I got, like in the gig I got because of an app. There we go. In the gig I got because of an app, the money is going to the government through taxes and then it's going to this other person through their nominal fee. And then I get my money so that somebody ha- that that's somebody giving away money that gets stolen from them twice and then given to me and it's stolen from twice. And I guess that, that was what started me on this fact that, like, the problem is I need money. The other problem is I can't work. And there's... You can't work in the traditional sense. True. And and I don't want this to be all about me. There's, yeah. My point... It's all about Patrick, it's, folks. That's actually the secret name of this podcast. I've been lying to you. This is just... It's Pat. But other people are in that position. I've known plenty of people who... who couldn't do i have a friend who uh i I dated for like a month and we brag (laughs) no we're still friends we like dated for a month and we're like we should just be friends okay but uh they make money through uber but then they also like they they had to quit because they couldn't afford to uber they, yeah. they, they couldn't afford to have the job. But if they'd been like a cab driver or whatever, they'd be fine. Like it's, it's... Because what do most cab companies have? A, a union. union. So... And that goes to the deregulation piece in that you don't want there to be union labor at these kinds of jobs because then that means those people are going to have to advocate for themselves. They will have the opportunity to advocate for themselves. And uh, provide those protections so that... How do I put this? Well, I think most people... Let me interrupt you. In that. No, think, you're fine. I think most people... It's this thing where there's a lie in place again. I think most people believe that the government will do the function of a union to a certain degree. Especially under neoliberalism. That th- this organization is going to protect your rights and stand up for you and make sure you're not treated wrongly. But it's a lie, right? Whereas... Well, so, I don't even know... I don't even think there's even a conversation about the government's going to be protecting you. Because that's that's very anti-neoliberalism. That the government would protect the individual consumer or the individual labor. I I just mean when you're the individual in the system. Not not, not, not that, that you believe... Or I guess not that that's what it teaches you. But as the individual in the system, part of the reason you believe in these gig jobs is that you think somebody is protecting you in a way that you're not protected with under the table jobs but they don't they don't care yeah okay okay i i get what you mean there because like the idea that well i have this app i have this contract with this company they say that they will cover this if x y or z happens and that there are certain protections yeah Uh, there there is this but because you're specifically a private contractor in a lot of these instances there's a lot of things that they don't have to guarantee you yeah. in any way, shape, or form. We should have probably done a little more research about what well, no. private contract well, unless like, you, you don't, have that. A little bit. Like, you don't get health insurance. You don't yep. have to... They don't have to uh, give you your tips. Like, that's just a thing as a private contractor that they... The, the organization... How they get around this is the organization receives the tips and redistributes it, right? Oh, yeah. But they're not required to redistribute it. Because it's the company that gets the tip. Wait, so where did you where did you read that? I I, I don't remember where okay, I read it. So don't trust it hundred percent. Yeah, because I'm interested. It might have been that they've shifted it. Because that's another thing is they just change because it's a, a, a contract. 
they can change the contract anytime they want. Oh yeah, they, they can want, change the contract right? very consistently. And the, the the power of collective bargaining, which is what a union brings more than anything else, is you can, as a group, say we don't agree with that, mm-hmm. right? As an individual, one on one, the company has the power, the collective power of the company versus you. Right, and that's what that's kind of what that's what you get through deregulation, right? And that's also the appeal in theory of jobs is that the government is doing that for you, right? And I don't know, sorry, I'm going off into the weeds again the way we do. I think one thing that we need to define is that in neoliberalism, government intervention is only to benefit capital, yeah, it's not in place to protect the individual uh, who's outside of that specific capital. What you, us on the bottom are dealing with isn't that we have any trust in the government. We're just hoping that our capitalist overlords... Yeah. And, like, they'll, they'll argue that you can just go find a better job, but it's really easy to be cornered in a place where you cannot find another job and there isn't much government support because of the austerity measures. So if you're stuck in between, then that means you're going to be more vulnerable and more willing to take up an even shittier job. And that should transition us talking about austerities because the issue is that all of these things feed into each other. My, my whole problem is that they admit that there's a problem there, but instead of solving it, they just lie to you and tell you it's a solution, right? And it's overall, like... Well, so here would be probably a way to bounce off of that. Like, so I grew up in Great Falls, Montana, and uh, I very rarely ever saw a taxi. Like, ever. One of the only times I distinctly remember seeing a taxi was the winter of 2008, 2009, because there was not only a snowstorm that had melted the snow a little bit, then there was a fog storm, and then all that froze. Mm. So it was like solid ruts of, of tracks in the road, and it was all ice. So people who were seasoned winter drivers were not going out. So those are the only times I've seen that. Now, if I go back to Great Falls or Missoula, there are, you can get Lyfts and you can get Ubers. And a lot of those delivery services are there now. So like before, when you couldn't get most things delivered and you couldn't get a taxi whenever you wanted, or it would be like super expensive, they brought down the costs and brought it to places by exploiting corporate tax loopholes and exploiting this con- this uh, private contractor relationship that they have with their drivers. So it's like they're fixing the problem of there's not convenient transportation in cities without a good, robust public transit system. So instead of but, a public transit system... Yeah, instead of a public transit system, people who can afford to use these services are going to use that and no longer be using those public systems. And on top of that... It's creating problems as in you have an unstable workforce as well. And the... So it's like, yeah, we're solving the problem that you can get a fucking Uber in Great Falls, Montana now. But there but, wasn't, that wasn't a problem before. We, I mean, it was the, a problem in the sense that, that our public transit system wouldn't accommodate yeah, that either. Yeah, and that's that's the actual problem. Is that like, oh, we need a public transit system that actually would accommodate the needs of people in this specific network. And instead, somebody was like, oh, Uber... Well, Uber's the solution because Uber makes money, you know, because it's privatized. (laughs) And because there's no, because what we really need is, I I guess I keep using the word austerity wrong, right? Because there's no, because there is austerity, there's no social benefits. I keep saying austerity as if it's the social benefits. Yeah, austerity. So it's like. I keep, I keep mixing up the way I'm using the word. But that helps. But like, think of it that way, as in austerity is 
fiscal conservative. Okay, because does I that think, make sense? Yeah, and that's that is the whole point of this show is to help me be less dumb too. Because the way I was seeing it in my head is that that's the word. Austerities are things like universal basic income, when in fact it's like no, those are those are. Those are the exact opposite of austerity. Because yeah. austerity is not having those things it's thing because like, that's a handout. That's giving someone something they didn't earn. Okay, okay. So, but the problem, the actual problem that Montana has is there's no public transit network that works especially Yeah, there's on- not a pu- robust public transit network. And because there's not support for the, like, folks with disabilities, folks who can't afford cars, stuff like that. Those individuals are pretty homebound in the, in that place, and you just accept. Okay, well, I guess I'm not going to drive, or I'm going to drive drunk. Spoiler alert: a lot of drunk driving in Montana. I don't think Oregon is much different. No, no. Every every <laughs> my experience is that any place where there's alcohol, there's drunk driving. That's been my experience. But but any place, particularly places, you mean where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. <laughs> At any place where you can, Oregon, I think, has less because we're a little tighter on on where well, you can get where and when you can get alcohol. Well, and one of the big differences too is that if you, as a business, serve alcohol, you need to have a menu of food. Yeah, That's yeah. not a thing in, in Montana. Montana. Yeah, you yeah. are not required to serve food if you are serving alcohol. You're required to have um, lottery machines and gaming machines. Oh, if you, you're serving alcohol, you have to. Oh, it's. I mean, I don't think it's written, but okay, it is okay. basically like. If you want a liquor license, you need to also have gaming. See machines. in Oregon, but all of <laughs> sorry, Patrick. No, 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 you're fine. I that's that's the beauty. This will all be cut. It's fine. But like, so what I wanted to say in response to that is that this is the owning, like in Karl Marx theory, you talk about owning the means of production. Yeah. What's happening with the gig 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 economy? The gig economy, and especially the appified gig economy, as is in we- like DoorDash, Uber, all of those things, is. The they own the mean of convenience, as in the way to have a overarching corporate structure that will get someone to your door to give you a ride and get you to where you need to be. And on top of that, there is some modicum of you being able to report if there's issues and like have some sort of assistance there, sort of. But so what I'm saying is that they're taking away the ability for you to self-own yourself, provide that convenient service because you'd have to compete with their ability to cut all the prices through underpaying their employees and uh, being able to take advantage of large corporate tax structure loopholes. And and I guess my to my my addition to that is that like the 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 reason I think in particular the appification and gigification is a problem is that there is a problem. Which is like we we have a twofold myth of people have to be productive, right? But also people have to make pro make profit. Sorry, make. Yeah, it's like you need to be productive, and your productivity is measured by your ability to financially support yourself. And and we because of that in the past we've used under the table jobs as a way to kind of gloss over that problem and that lie. And and by lie I mean things are fine. Because uh, to me, that's the big, that's the overarching lie that I think fucks with people in, in the trash position more than anything else is that things are fine and it's my fault that I'm, I'm society has trashed me. When nine times out of ten, no, the, the system is broken, right? And if you can admit that, then that's, that's good first steps towards helping yourself and towards solving the problem of the a broken system. The first step is admitting you have a problem. And... Can can capitalism go to AA? 
I think so. Like, and that's that's kind of low key the 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 plan with. I this. mean, it's like money anonymous, I guess. <laughs> like asshole anonymous, where you're like, I just think I should own people. I just think people should be. It's like the the character in the uh, in the good place that they based basically off of Brett Kavanaugh. He's just like the biggest fucking asshole, and like they oh, have to try and make him a good person. I totally see that now. I just thought that was an archetype of every guy who's like that because that's. Just... I mean, I might they might not have been specifically trying to map him off of Brett Kavanaugh, but, but it can, reads so heavily. Brett I, Kavanaugh. I can. I wasn't like. Here's the thing. I wasn't looking at that translation, but then you like shifted the image, and I'm like, holy shit, that is no, that's a good. It's like when you see one of those illusion pictures, yeah. and like some people see the duck, some people see the horse, some people see the woman's face. You just showed me the woman's face after I'd been looking at the horse the whole time. You're welcome. Yeah. She's beautiful. Beautiful, honey. Um. <laughs> well, I think, I think the... Uh... Back to Thatcher. Um, Thatcher really represented the, uh, the push for austerity in England. And that's like why there's a lot of hatred of Margaret Thatcher. Because she took away a lot of the supports or and argued against increasing any supports for people who were extremely suffering in that time period because of neoliberal policies and how they affected the poor. All of the things that you and I would identify as problems with capitalism, they're going to put that on you. Kind of like what you were saying about how, what was the line you had about them telling, giving you the poison, like telling yeah, my, you to pick your poison, but saying it was your fault. Yeah, like my problem is is how often, like you said it right, it's just saying like, pick your poison, okay, why did you commit suicide? I'll, well, and like a thing you can think about with neoliberalism is like a lot of times you're, you're looking for a success by gross domestic product, like how much a country is making, how much they're producing and how much money they're making for it. And like on the on the individual level, it's like, cool, what's your paycheck look like? So say you look at, I remember we're learning about this in one of my poli-sci classes in college. Like, so you take someone who lives in rural China, they're making like no fucking money, but they're usually living with their family. They're living together. Sure. They may not have all of the creature comforts, but they're there. So then that person moves to the city to get a job to make a lot of money. Well, a good portion of that money is going to supporting themselves. And then a lot of it's going to be sent back. Yeah. So it's like, sure. You're making more money. But how much more does it cost to live in the place that you are? How much more dangerous might your situation be because you're living in like and an area the, that's on the edge of gentrification? So there's a lot of conflict and turmoil. There was this there was this landlord I had for a while where we paid like dirt cheap rent where it was like a hundred bucks a month. Oh, that and, sounds beautiful. But there was shit rent, which was just like you know sometimes the bathroom door didn't work, or like every once in a while we were out of water until it was like until the water bill was paid, kind of thing. Oof. Uh, and and he would he we would go through a lot of roommates and the landlord would be confused. He's like, why are people always moving? It's dirt cheap. And I'm like, because the shit rent is like another six hundred dollars. Right. right. Like we're paying a hundred bucks cash, but then there's six hundred bucks of like there's people banging on the patio or whatever. You know what I mean? And so like there's that's what you're talking about is the shit rent in the city is definitely different than the shit rent at home. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. And you can't cover those costs in money, and that's that's mm-hmm. kind of my problem. That's to me, that's the bigger overarching. That's another problem with the big lie of profitability, and that's I guess kind of our overarching hidden villain repeatedly of this podcast will be the idea that people have to be profitable, right? Yeah. And you, you, there's some way like I'm not a profitable person, but I think we could argue I'm very productive. Yeah. And and. 
part of the goal of this show is to get other people to see that within themselves that like profitability doesn't matter i mean productivity doesn't even really matter right but that that specifically the drive to make money and exclusively the the drive to earn a living so that somebody else can make money off of you isn't really that different than say slavery but it's neoliberalism for example just adds adds more distance from the problem the the exact quote you were getting from me was that like we we give you we tell you to pick your poison and then ask you why you committed suicide in our system and i don't think that's fair and i think when people start realizing like maybe i don't have to take poison yeah we start looking into other options well and here's an interesting thing too um there's always a pressure to um demonize sex work punish sex workers punish people who pay for sex or sexual services in any shape or form do you know what's one of the most reliable industries for folks with disabilities sex Sex work work. yeah no i i know (laughs) like and it's just so baffling to me that like we want like if your goal and your end goal is to make profit and you continue like and you're continually demonizing people doing the things that make them profit then it's almost like it it's not about making profits it's about controlling the profits too yeah if that makes sense yeah and I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it's why all of these things are intercombined and intercombined create a bigger problem. It's because, all connected, man. Yeah. But like you, you, you don't make a push for austerity uh, unless you have the ability to mess with regulations, right? Because if you don't believe in that, then you, you, you're not going to push companies to be better, right? And then all of that is driven by that profit motive, that privatization, that ability to, to it's mine. Right. And I guess I guess the 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 kind of recyclable thing is I want people to get rid of that trash notion that they need to be profitable and recycle it into something more. Take that internalized messed up notion and start looking at it in a better, healthier perspective. Yeah. Right. And I think one of the traps to not doing that is the gig economy. Right, because uh, as artists, right, we, we both do comedy. And how many people do we Oh, know? I'm an artist, honey. But the poop many... jokes I make are beautiful. You have the shittiest <laughs> poop jokes. They're the best. <laughs> uh, but, but we know people who, who have worked... Uh, I have worked under the table jobs this I've whole time. I worked under the table. I worked under the table and they were also my... Uh, they were also my landlords. <laughs> But the new version of that is is more and more we're seeing people, like, instead of being bartenders, they're like, oh, I do DoorDash in between sets or whatever. Yeah, I do DoorDash. Um, I do TaskRabbit. I do Instacart. I do all these different things. Like, you are doing... And again, this speaks to the convenience piece. Because you could put a wanted out and say, hey, I need someone to buy me groceries once a week. I can pay you X amount of money. Are you going to find someone who's the best for the job? Yes? No. no? Who knows? It's like the personal ads at the end of, like, at the back of the magazines back in the day. Like, you don't fucking know what's going to happen from that. So what this gig, Appify gig economy does is that they will eat the cost if that person fucks up. But they'll also punish that person, too, like the, the worker. 
But it's like, it's a way that you have an app, you put that in, random person you don't know drops the groceries off. So it's, they've commodified that ability to find someone easily to help in a service when you don't really have that time. I, and then I we do pretend think... like that's a solution. That's my big problem is we pretend like that solves the problem that you're disabled at home and need yeah. groceries. When in fact it's like the problem isn't that somebody wasn't making money off of that as far as like... The problem was is that it would be nice if you had a service so you could have autonomy to do that yourself. Yeah. Or that like there was a way for those grocery stores to provide that as a service and that person would be an employee who is in a union and gets benefits. You know? Like, it's it's not only that they're making money off of it, it's that they're making bad money off of it. It's like when you talked about in the cost of convenience. What you're paying for when you're going into that convenience store isn't... The item. Yeah, it isn't the item, and it, and it isn't supporting the person who works there very much either. It, what you're paying for is to have that place open for you to make that transaction and in that the people working there aren't getting a good wage and it's not necessarily enriching the community that's bad money but yeah and we just lie to ourselves about that that's uh, yeah yeah yeah. it's kind of i don't want to keep adding to you when you've done a good oh no you're fine i think i know how to okay so i want to look at what you have here see if there's anything we didn't have in there and some of it's just useless facts. I was going to end with the facts that, like, this is... Whoa, okay, god damn it. Fuck you. No, no, no. Just no, I'm mad that you... I'm mad that we didn't talk about choice versus options. I think that's what I was thinking about. that's the important thing. So, well, and that goes in your pick your poison. But, like, I think the things that, specifically with gig economy and neoliberalism, the things that are important to me is that commodify like it's uh it's it's centering economic growth growth over progress owning or like creating it's like owning in owning convenience yeah um and i think that commodifying access because I, I think those those both owning convenience, like owning the means you, of convenience. Yeah. And you're 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 acknowledging that there's a problem, but you're not solving it. <laughs> which is which is like the, the, the thing that really, really annoys me. It's where like, oh, we do need a public transportation system that works, or we do need groceries delivered to people. Fixed but it's band aids, yeah. Oh problems are to well, yeah. Problems are to be um It's um, your problem, you're sick. It's not our problem, you're sick. But to me, it's the illusion that you have actually The illusion options. of choice. And it's the illusion of choice. Yeah, it's... Do you want to work at McDonald's or Uber? Well, yeah, what, with it's DoorDash, like... You can do both. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Why is this so hard? I don't know. Um, but no, I mean, like, centering ec- the economy over progress, commodifying, um, commodifying access, like you said, and owning the means of convenience. Um, and then... Any problems created by it are personal. They're not. They're yeah. Any problems inherent in neoliberalism should be dealt with on an individual basis and are at the fault of the individual. Does that work? Yeah. Why this is important is that according to Ro- Reuters, Reuters, how do you say it? Reuters? Reuters. 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 It's supposed to sound like you're on drugs. Reuters. Anyway. <laughs> 
Uh, as of 2017, 34% of working Americans are working gigs. They're, they're a part of the gig economy. 34%? Yeah. And according to, in 2007, their projection for 2020 was that 43% of Americans, and this was before Corona, like they haven't been able to do research. So like pre-Rona. Yeah. So this has gone up even more because more people can't do job jobs. So they're going to DoorDash and they're going to, to Uber or all those things. Right. This and equals- the massive disru- dis, uh, disruption that the pandemic has been, those numbers are going to be insane. And and this is all in an increase. It has increased 15% in the last decade. So every year it's gone up like 0.1, or whatever, right? I'm bad at math. But, but it affects 55 million people. And at the same time, another thing that's important, because we I don't know if we mentioned that already, something like, something like one in four Americans has a disability of some kind. Doesn't necessarily pre- preclude them from working, but they have an issue in their life that, that makes it so that they're not a functioning part of the system. And we could argue... like They're it, not a functioning part of the neoliberal system. Correct. And we could even... I, I'm sorry, I just want to let you know you're disabled and you need to address that better, okay? And and we can also... The, the other thing about one in four people being disabled is we can ignore the fact that like a system where 25% of the things can't function in it probably not a reliable system well right well let's let's just show that information to the side for a second i guess but or no let's acknowledge that it's it's like if if that large of an adult population and that's only the documented part of that population can't participate in this system in a way to support themselves maybe that means the system is wrong and that doesn't mean (laughs) one in four people are on disability no, I don't, that just yeah. means they are documented as disabled. Because yeah. you can be disabled and not qualify for disability because you're married. And we'll do a whole... I actually am going to... I'm working on, a, on another long-form thing I want to do where I'm going to record a bunch of the stuff, uh, the interactions I have dealing with disability because I don't think normal people understand. So I, I think that might be fun. Anyway, but... Oh, Patrick. But the, the point of all this... The point absolutely of, do that. Like, the, I don't think you fully understand because, like... I've talked on multiple occasions about how overwhelming those calls are for people. And imagine if you have issues with interpersonal relationships, reading people's emotions, advocating for yourself, genuine stress of phone calls. All right, so you've convinced me on that. Let's no, finish. like, Let's, if yeah, you yeah. can, if that's not, like, you should try and get a hold okay. of a lawyer and find out if that is something you can legally do. I, I'm already, well, the lawyers on Facebook say it's fine, so that's good. Yeah. But, but I, I figured for medical stuff it shouldn't be an issue, but I'm thinking it would be interesting to see about public bureaucratic systems if there's anything that they can do as recourse but i mean if a place can record your call for quality assurance yeah. you should be able to record it for your own yeah, documentation and i, yeah. I want to like i said share it with people later but the, the point of all that is find like, a good app for that one in four people can't get on disability whatever one in four people is disabled that doesn't necessarily mean they're that on, on disability, disability qualify but, for services anything like that but it does mean that there's a there's going to be a lot of venn diagram of people who are disabled and people who are forced to work gigs and mm-hmm. a lot of those people are going to think of themselves as trash and the point of this episode in particular is to remind them you're not Neoliberalism is trash. No, neoliberalism is trash. Capitalism is trash. This whole system is trash, but you've been lied to to a degree and told you're the problem. And that's one of the that was that was one of the things that we have a problem with, which is the the big problem with neo one of our big problems with neoliberalism is specifically like it's not 
our problem collectively. It's your problem individually. And that that's just a fucking bold-faced lie. And I would argue that as a communal, communal species, uh, even a loner like me needs help and needs community. And, and part of the problem is, like, as communities, we could do these things for each other. Right, like we mm-hmm. could have, like we could just be like, like I was saying, like I have this idea for a car library, where Ooh. you just go in and you're like, actually, I need a pickup for the weekend. Is anyone using a pickup right now? All right, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm top for the pickup. Hey, you know what? I want to go for a crazy drive this weekend. So you just, I want to go. Do you have a Maserati? Just kidding. Just well, kidding. no. You go to the library and you get a Maserati out of the library, and then. All right, and and anybody I hear who's against it, they just want to have first place in line. Like that's that's always my favorite part. Is I'm like, so what's your problem with it? And they're like, well, I wouldn't get to drive whenever I want. And I'm like, well, why do you deserve that? But that's it's neither here nor there. My my point is, we we have the the problem of we need cars, and there's a whole lot of solutions that aren't. How can somebody control the what was the thing you cared about the e- the, the way you like, wrote it down the way you had it described earlier though the 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 well yeah i mean uh commodifying access and owning the means of convenience that, that's it. and i would i would take it a step further and talk about it in terms of like the econ- like there's a um tiktoker i follow named i think it's crutches and spice she's phenomenal but she made the point that what we learned during the pandemic is that there is so much we can do to accommodate folks because so many of us had to stay home and so many of us and so there are so many ways that we could be doing this all the time and that's what we learned and so this idea that we have the infrastructure and the capacity to provide services to so many people but until we get out of this mindset of everything has to be for profit and it can't be profit down the line it has to be fucking profit right now as long as we are still in this mindset of profit right now, we are never going to meet the needs of everyone, and we're also going to be fueling the capitalist machine that is killing us as a species. Because, and and this goes all the way back to the start of us talking, the, the, prob- the big problem with, the, like, a huge problem with the capitalist machine is that gross disparity between what some people have control of and what other people have access to, right? And the, the problem... The, the big problem with gigs is it presents this lie that you're getting into, you're, you're getting a, a job or a career or something. They even say on the apps you're getting a career. But what are you going to get promoted to? Yeah, like, right? Dispatcher? No, there's an app for that. Yeah, like, exactly. And <laughs> It's not a meaningful career if you can't even unionize and advocate for yourself and that if shit hits the fan none of that's there for you and so like like i'm not advocate like i i okay i am ad- am advocating that like drivers should form a union but i understand that the reason taxi drivers don't have it or bus drivers for example like you would think public transit would have a nationwide union and it doesn't because again profitability isn't there like it, it doesn't make the union money and that's a that's still a neoliberal organization to a certain degree, unionization. But anyway, it, it, there's there's too much to need a huge union, so it needs to be a local problem. Yeah, or, I or mean, a solution. I think a lot of it is capital needs to be decentralized. Yeah, it, because the longer we, the longer cap, it's it's like Newton's laws of gravity. Gravity is going to attract things. So if you've got a big enough ball, so to speak. 
other things going to pull towards you. I don't know. No, no, you're you're actually right. We'll uh, we'll, we'll like there. There's these two dudes. I'm not going to get their names correct. I think it's Anowitz and Daversky. I might be getting it wrong. One of their their things is that there is no such thing as a rational person. People do irrational things all the time. And it, they got the Nobel Prize for economics because there's not one for psychology. All of that is to say the system isn't rational, but we pretend like it is. And when we, when we, when we pretend like it is, then it's your fault, your trash, right? As opposed to realizing, like, the system isn't rational. And there's, even if there were... Well, it's not, even that the, it's not even that the system isn't rational. It's that the system values different things. Yes. The system doesn't value you. And as long as we're participating in a system that doesn't value us, we're going to have outcomes that continually do not value what we need out of it. If you're pro-capitalist and you're at the bottom, you're an economic bootlicker. That is my overarching problem with, with all of this, is that to a certain degree, we could be doing this for each other, right? Just naturally. You could drive me somewhere. I could bring you food. I mean, I can't physically bring but You know what I mean, right? And the problem with all of these things is it creates steps from the reality that somebody is controlling your actions. So we present these, these fake... We tell you you're being presented with choices, Right? but you're not. You're just being given options. And I know English is a tricky thing, and those sound like they're the same concept, but they're not. Because you're not given a choice of, do I want to do work of one kind or another? You're given the option of what kind of work to do. Yeah, and it, it's like the idea of, like, you go to a fucking movie, there's what, those soda machines where you can pick, like, five or six of their different base sodas, and then you can pick how much carbonation, how much of another flavor, all of this other stuff. So that's something exists. But do we have a legitimate sharps removal system <laughs> in the city of Portland for folks who do injectable drugs? No. So it's like, yes, you have these choices when it comes to something that the market can provide and make money off of. But because someone's not directly making money off of providing a service that keeps people happy, healthy, and whole. There is none of it. So it's like, you have choices when it comes... It's, it's like the idea of liberal feminism and white feminism. It's like, now yeah. you can be a girl boss, but we still aren't addressing the insanely problematic lack of intersectionality of white feminism and that's the goal of this whole thing of this whole podcast is to get people to start to see that intersectionality and yeah and we I know all are a, struggling and i know that's going to be a scary word to people but i'm hoping that like we make it presentable in a less scary way i mean intersectionality is just the idea that we're all more than one thing and that we all have things that make our life more difficult. But but say it in a Tucker Carlson voice. Intersectionality. Intersectionality. Or, I guess, I guess that's or more Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's just like intersectionality isn't about having a competition about who's more oppressed. It's about acknowledging that we all are oppressed on so many different levels. And even if you're a straight white male you still experience oppression, be it as in financial oppression or the toxic expectations of being a straight white male. Yeah, and, and my 
I guess, I guess like the hidden motto of this thing is that the boot that's on someone else's throat is going to be the knee on yours eventually. Like, yeah. like, like they're connected. And it was, I was listening to somebody earlier today who was talking about uh, uh, how civil rights movements act and the reaction to them. And the reaction is whatever ends up, whatever it will do to the least of people, like the worst thing we'll do to people, eventually we normalize. But it also yeah. works. It also works in the reverse. So the thing, like the more we normalize helping each other and like accepting that we don't know everything and that people can teach us stuff, the more that becomes normal. The more we ask for help and ask how we can help. And even if we and and yeah, there's a lot of a lot of weird hidden hopes to this thing, but like the hope is that people see that that people aren't people learn it's not your fault, and it's okay to ask for help, and it's okay to accept that like you're not trash. But the first step to recycling yourself, I guess, is admitting like, oh, society has thrown me away. It has decided. Recycle the ideas. Yeah. Look like repurpose your sense of purpose and your sense of wanting to be productive repurpose that outside of a financial mindset and more in a how am I how can I be productive towards the people in my life and enrich their their existence and support them when they need it sure you may not be a millionaire and I don't know why anyone would want that other than yeah it would be nice to not have to worry about money but sure you're not a millionaire but do your friends know that you're there when you need it? Does your community know that yeah. you'll show up when shit hits the fan? And I mean, I would like to definitely benefit, work more in uh, direct action and community service, but like... It's also a future episode plan is to... Uh, yeah, my, my, how to get started at least. Yeah, because it's... Because it's pretty daunting if you think about like trying to act, like go, go all in and... So. We should end on that. Yeah. No, <laughs> no I, I don't want to end on that. I do. I mean, I don't want to end but, on that particular dour note. But I mean, it, it's not it's, dour. It's at least being honest yeah, about yeah. like when when you aren't aware of what the problem really is, you're going to make assumptions about what the solution is. Yeah. And I don't. I don't want to uh, pretend like I know everything on this show. So that's going to be Patrick does know everything. Though. I mean, I, that's that's the weird part. But to keep myself humble, I pretend like I don't. Uh, did we cover all the things we wanted to? I think so. Okay. We Gucci? Yeah. So Patrick wanted me to let you folks know that uh, I sell artwork, and I do. I predominantly do poor painting, which is the most uh, elegant way of saying I have ruined uh, my chances of getting my deposit back at my apartment. Uh, I'm going to edit all of that to say I primarily do porn. Just no! <laughs> I wasn't even done, you butt nugget. Um, so... If you folks are interested in looking at the visual art that I have created, um, you can go to at whore for poor on Instagram. So W-H-O-R-E-F-O-R-P-O-U-R. Yeah, I spelled that right. Uh, and you can see my artwork. At this time, I'm not really interested in doing commissions because fuck customer service. But if there's a piece that's listed for sale, just send me a direct message and we'll see what we can do about getting that in your hands and your money in my fucking Venmo. So um, definitely check them out. Some of them are cool. Some of them are not. But, you know, it's whatever. I don't have any of the embellished pieces up yet. So those are, that's a new addition. Give, give, give Rochelle your money so I don't have to. Right? <laughs> yeah, Patrick can't afford me, honey. I am actually feeling horrible that I'm like, I'm going to start a Patreon. Thank you for picking up recyclables today.
Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.